hemp, 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 hooray, hemp, 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 hooray, another hemp episode, oh my god, and this is the best one yet, oh, buckle your fucking seatbelts, because this is incredible, you're going to want to go out and share this with all your, matter of fact, pause right now and call all your friends and say, Look, dude, I got like thousands of dollars worth of free legal advice on the real dirt today. You got to download this episode where I speak to the Vicente, part of the Vicente Cedarberg hemp crew. Man, I get world-class information. I get information that people want to pay for but can't because, you know, people at Vicente Cedarberg are so busy. It's hard for clients to to get, you know, and to talk to the to the top-level people. But, man, I talked to two of the top-level people today there at The Real Dirt. Sean Hauser, she leads the hemp team there. And we talk all about the possibilities of hemp, man. It is, it is exploding like it has never exploded before. The possibilities, the opportunities for people are, are, they've never been like this. Almost anybody can get in the hemp industry right now in some form or fashion. If you want to be a small guy and grow it, you can do it. If you want to be a big guy and grow it, you can do it. If you want to make some homespun products, you can do it. If you want to sell that shit on Amazon, you can do that. If you want to market it you can do that man if you want to sell equipment to hemp farmers you can do that if you want to co-packet stuff to other hemp people in cbd you man it is incredible at the opportunity hemp is going to be in everything toothpaste to deodorant to, to it's already in dog food it's already in dog products like pet pet products like cbd is really going to fuel this this overall deficiency that that most of the the country and world has in cannabinoids. We are endocannabinoid deficient in this country as well as other places. And and I believe that CBD is going to help apply those cannabinoids. But that's just me. I think other people would agree. Like I said, this episode is incredible. It will be one of my most downloaded episodes. Get your paper and pen. I normally tell you to fire up a large joint, but you're going to want to concentrate on this one. So small, fire up a small joint at the beginning and a large joint at the end and think about it all. It's amazing. And it's all here on The Real Dirt. If you love this episode or want to find out more for us, check us out on The Real Dirt Podcast on iTunes. Look for us, realdirt.com instagram join subscribe comment do all that stuff and it's only going to foster hemp and cannabis and ganja throughout the world so sit back and enjoy this episode go to school yeah Once again, you have reached The Real Dirt with Chip Baker, and on today's Dirt, I have a very special episode. I have the Vicente Cedarberg Hemp Division. That's right, the whole division, or at least portion of it, is here with me. And I also have my uh, trusty co-host, Justin Jones. Say hello, Justin. All right, hello. (laughs) Thanks for having me today, Chip. With me today, I have the illustrious Sean Hauser. She's partner and chair of the Hemp and Cannabinoid Practice Group at Vicente Cedarberg. Hey, Sean. Hey, Jeff. 
Thanks for having me back. I know. I'm glad glad you got you back. Hey, listen, uh, I'll just apologize openly on air to the thousands and thousands and thousands of people that listen to this, that me and Sean had an episode once before and I lost it. But everything's totally different now. So Everything is totally different now. So it's so much better. But, you know, I've, I've also had... Are those missing files? They, I know, and they no. might show up okay. one day. All right. <laughs> they just might, wanted to make sure we know what we're dealing they with. They might here. show up one day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, look, make sure I'm, I'm, I'm recording as we speak here just because we've had that problem in the past. <laughs> hey, I also have Andrew Livingston here. Andrew is the director of economics and research at Vicente Cedarburg. It's wonderful to be back on the dirt. Yeah, thanks for coming back. You were one of the first podcasts uh, that we did here at The Real Dirt, Andrew. Yeah, good to be able to see how your podcast has evolved and grown and you've got awesome other guests. And now I get to be on with four friends, I guess three friends, including me. Should be a good time. We'll, we'll nerd out on cannabis and hemp markets and the like. The episode we had, you had so many great predictions, and we spoke about this recently, uh, that have come true. The overabundance in the Colorado and the Oregon market, I believe, you predicted for 2018, and that really did come true. And there were many others. So if, if you're interested in those predictions and how they turned out, listen to the Andrew Livingston episode. So we are here to talk about one of my favorite subjects, which is anybody? Cannabis. You're right, Justin. That's why Justin Jones my uh, been my co-host mm-hmm. for the past several episodes, as he knows me so well. Cannabis, cannabis and hemp. Cannabis is hemp. Cannabis hemp is legal now, Sean. Yeah, it took Mitch McConnell, but we got here. I mean, I don't care what it took. You know, at the end of the day, the job's done. We are excited about federally legal hemp. And you've been working with hemp and cannabis for, for many years here, Sean. How has... The new federal legalization changed your job or changed your phone calls? Well, it's definitely made the frequency in, in calls increase, but it's also you know, really allowed people to have national, international businesses. And a lot of the operators, bigger companies who weren't able to enter the cannabis space for the federal illegality reason are able to en- enter the, the hemp space and just because the law is new and it's evolving on the federal and state level, there's just a lot of issues to talk about and things changing. So kind of a state by state patchwork and helping folks navigate the laws. Well, you know, the past couple of episodes, me and Justin have spoken to uh, some a hemp farmer. We've spoken to a uh, seed supplier. Everybody's excited about it on many different levels since you are the authority in the room. Tell us what the Farm Bill of 2018 really did for hemp. So most importantly, what the the Farm Bill did for hemp is it removed it from the Controlled Substances Act. So it instead of regulating the production of the cannabis plant under drug laws, it shifted the regulation under agricultural laws and amended six federal laws so that hemp is regulated like an agricultural commodity under the purview of the U.S. Department of Agriculture and not the DEA. So it's just like corn. <laughs> right. Just like corn. Alfalfa. It was, were Colorado Penis. and Oregon already acting that way, right? I mean, in, as on a state level, they had removed it from regulation on the policing side and given it to the Department of Agriculture. So we haven't been able to legally grow hemp in the 
United States for for decades, and we're we were behind really every other industrialized country on that front. And in 2014, the Obama administration, for the first time, removed barriers and allowed U.S. production, but it was limited. And the 2014 Farm Bill allowed states to have really you know, agricultural pilot programs where they could do research, and it left a lot of authority to the states to determine what was allowed. So the more progressive states like Colorado were. We actually put a provision legalizing hemp in the Amendment 64, legalizing yep. marijuana in, in Oregon and North Dakota and a few others had protections for hemp on the state level long before even the 2014 Farm Bill. But under the 2014 Farm Bill, there were you know over 30 states with agricultural pilot programs. And when we got into 2018 Farm Bill, there were at least 40 states with some form of a hemp law or that have removed barriers to production. So you know, really now the majority of the U.S. Can, can grow hemp. To your question, Chip, also one of the important things to note about the, the 2018 Farm Bill is it, it still gives a lot of authority to states. It's sort of like health care where it's shared federal state programming. So states have the authority to adopt their own plans. They can be more restrictive than the federal plan as long as they don't prohibit transport across state lines yeah we hear about it in oregon every day right now because those guys there's a group that's uh you know sitting in idaho with a truckload from oregon from portland so it's scary it is scary so let's back up the story for those of you who don't know in january uh, beginning of january uh, a semi truckload of hemp was stopped in ohio i mean uh, oklahoma yep a semi truckload of hemp was stopped in oklahoma and they suspected it of being marijuana Right. So they arrested several people. They kept several people in jail for a month or more. They finally released those people recently. But the hemp tested over 0. 0.3. 0.4. 0.4. So barely over. 0.4. Because, yeah. you know, 0.4 cannabis is going to get you like super, super high. I know. I want Give that's me that good 0.4. The 0.4. That good 0.4. <laughs> you got any 0.4 chip? Yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> this 0.3 stuff isn't doing it anymore. Totally, totally. And also, I mean, the, the hemp was coming from. Legal license. state to legal yep. state, Colorado, they Oregon, COAs, to Colorado. They have hemp licenses, everything. You know, it was it was uh, Oklahoma's a legal state. Yeah, Kentucky's a legal state. So there's people right. with that same situation in Nevada sitting mm-hmm. in jail. You got Oklahoma. We know Idaho. You know, the issue is, you know, I was just involved with the project getting some plants from Western Colorado to Oregon to start to start some seed breeding things. And the guys were strategically driving, you know, not in Idaho and, you know, getting trying to get uh, even out of Nevada as fast as possible into California, you know, and, and at that, this is farm bills passed. This is totally legal, but the, the plant looks exactly the same. And so if a state like Idaho says, that's a marijuana plant, you're going to prison, you know, they're not going to grow that thing and flower it out to find out whether it was THC or whether it's CBD, right? So Idaho is actually the one state without a marijuana or hemp law. That's the solo one. But so what's uh, so it's stuck in Idaho right you, now. So yeah. it's now it's stuck in Idaho. That we we this is uh, I'm not haven't followed it closely. Seven thousand pounds. And, Seven thousand know. pounds. It's tested hot. We call it. We call it, we call it hot here. Lingo. It's over. <clears throat> lingo drop. Hemp is 0.3 THC, and if it's over 0.3, 0.4, 0.5, 0.7, we call it hot. 
Right. And there's another issue involved there is the state of Oregon just changed their testing law. So they were only testing for Delta 9 and not total THC. So all Oregon hemp that is is approved and yep, that's you're good to go on that in Oregon could be hot as soon as it leaves the state, even though just because of that. Now, I think they've changed it very recently in their testing for total THC for the hemp so that, you know, you're not leaving a little part off but biomass is so big what are you guys seeing on the on the legal side of things that we could do to protect uh, these farmers with so much so much material they try to grind it down and homogenize it but you know we don't want this to happen where someone's really doing this right and there's some weird thing in a state which is what's happening yeah, yeah. i mean i think there's a couple of things i think on the the regulatory side we have to work with with states and you know hopefully and i think the usda will address this in rulemaking but to have testing standards and, you know, variances so that if it tests over 0.3, perhaps it's not illegal. There's maybe 0.3 to point to 1% and that's precedent in other countries. And I think a lot of the confusion is around the states, you know, state departments of agriculture. This is their first go around with hemp. They don't understand how to regulate a crop Mm -hmm. that has this THC issue and there's no federal rules yet. And, you know, they're, all looking at the issue, but there's so much education needed in the hemp space, particularly on the regulatory and enforcement level. So how is the, how is the federal government going to guarantee this interstate commerce? I mean, right now the USDA is engaging in its, its rulemaking to determine the minimum standards that states are going to have to comply with. And that will likely address some sort of requirements for transportation. Like you might have to have a manifest and maybe similar to things like marijuana and your testing, uh, your certificate of analysis and things like that. Until they they do so, it's really incumbents on, uh, on states to adopt some reasonable requirements for their businesses. But the the argument that some of these Idaho, you know, Oklahoma locals are making are that the transportation protection in the 2018 Farm Bill isn't in effect yet because right. the USDA hasn't made its rules yeah, and that's going to come down to the case law. Well, mm. and it, you know, we all know, as we look at this beautiful uh, hemp plant that looks just like all the plants we see in our, in our recreational cannabis grows here in Colorado and our medical grows. But you know, at the end of the day, when, you know, somebody Smelly is going to put a bunch of private market, high THC cannabis in a truck and put a couple of totes of hemp on the back and try to pull something off. So that wasn't you know, me. I didn't uh, do that. No, I know it wasn't you. It was that other guy. But you know, we also got to address that uh, system that that the local police can actually log in and see that there's a shipment here. It should be this big. Have this many totes. There's an RFID yeah, tag on each tote that that can mm-hmm. you know identify right. it. So the paperwork can't be faked. And and you know, there's an outlet there. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, like let's just recognize for a second that we have trouble in the United States even quantifying the number of murders that have occurred across the United States, right? Police, small police offices and sheriff's offices, particularly in really small town rural areas that you have to drive through if you're trying to transport Kentucky hemp to Oregon or Colorado, are not really the type of people and don't have the type of technological infrastructure in order to be able to hook up into a national up-to-date system that allows for these sorts of transports. And I mean, even if we were to have that, let's not forget that like 
these sorts of shipments are going to be occurring all the time. Yep. And if you don't want to wait for like three days for the system to, you know, recognize that the fact that, okay, now your certificate of analysis from your testing lab has been loaded in. Okay. Maybe it wasn't loaded in or like, you know, mm, these people's right. internet goes down on the certain things or even like the cops just like don't recognize. So I love the idea of some sort of tech infrastructure. And I think that now that we live in a tech age, so many of us look to that as the the solution, but it might be something a lot more simplistic, like some sort of tax stamp and a sealed container with tamper evident tape. Yep. And what that, about, uh, are we, is anybody using the rail system right now? How's that? Have you heard much about people shipping on rail and is there any protections that get you? I haven't heard many folks shipping on, on rail. What's interesting is that there was a... Nobody's getting caught anyway. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure it's happening. I just I haven't had folks really talk about shipping that way. But what's interesting is that the maybe a safe way to ship right now is through just the U.S. Postal Service because there is court precedent that they can't uh, seize hemp that's going from legal state to legal state. They tried to do it before, got sued, and got right, shut well, down, yeah. so... That the mail might be a, a good bet until maybe hemp will save the USPS. <laughs> wow! What about so, that? so wow, the the USPS might can start uh, transporting cannabis. That's a new one for them. Yeah. I know they've never done that before. Yeah, but I mean, on a on a package size, it's going to be pretty expensive to like you know get that priority. <laughs> just a bunch mail of flat rate boxes, man. On Five thousand pounds of hemp. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe if you like turn it into distillate, and I I think this is something that is interesting. We should talk about because. There may actually be less risk if you are done some sort of processing. And well, that's why they were shipping hemp. it from Kentucky to Colorado, though, because they want it. They want well, the process. <laughs> that's but, part of the issue is that since Colorado is like the first one to build, and Oregon was behind it, that's where the that's where the most of the processors are. That's where the money came. The infrastructure was built out. So, yeah, you're right. Remedi all this product needs remediated all the way through the process. The biomass is going to go, the crude's going to get remediated, the, you're going to take it to whatever other product that has to be at a no detect level. Yeah. Right now there's a hot run that I'm seeing in Oregon on all things non-detect because people are just like, don't want to necessarily you know, transport crude out of state because it's hot, you know, and all these things. So We've just got to figure it out because the interstate transport piece is, is not going to go away. States are going to have their own programs. Some states aren't going to allow processing. Some states aren't going to allow cultivation. And if we're going to compete with every other country who has a hemp economy, we're going to need to build a U.S. infrastructure and uh, well, supply the, chains. And The dry counties in Texas still let the beer trucks drive through to the next county, right? Or no? Yeah. They, do. they don't have to drive around, right? They just, they go right on through. They're not selling it to the stores. And it's the one thing the Farm county. Bill says. It says states can adopt more restrictive Laws, laws in their yep. and their hemp programs, but the one thing they can't prohibit is the interstate transfer of hemp through its borders, yep. and that's exactly what happened. And this is kind of one of the things that's that's different because even in those dry counties in Texas or other states, I mean, they're not criminalizing the possession of alcohol; they're criminalizing the sale of alcohol within their area. But if you look at Idaho, if you look at a handful of these other states that haven't yet conformed their their criminal laws to the 2018 farm bill you know it's a it's a criminal issue to possess cannabis with any level of thc in idaho and you know if, if your your hemp is hot or even if it's not all that hot like you gonna deal with some real issues when you're when you get caught and stopped 
by rural Idaho police. Well, they're making their living on it, the asset forfeiture trailer. The first thing they ask people when they pull them over is, you know, do you own the vehicle or is it, mm-hmm. a, you know, is there a loan on here? And they're already investigating whether or not they want to, <laughs> you know, yeah. really uh, dive deep onto somebody they think might There's be trucks. transporting. I mean, you usually see it with, with the, uh, the yeah. ganja side of things, but, you know. It's, and, and even if they stop you and it, let's say, tests under the a certain amount, right? Like your certificate of analysis was right, the, how they sampled it. And, and I think we should get into sampling because yeah. like that's a big question about like yeah, uh, what absolutely. is the accuracy if you like take one nug versus another nug. Sure. But um, and, and let's say it, it tests. one lab versus another lab. Exactly. You know, I was part of the first uh, one of the, fir- the very first uh, test in Colorado and they came and the MED came to my store. They got four different uh, ounces. They went homogenized it, sent it to every testing lab in the state and they're every result they're all was different. different. A lot of them, were, there was a lot of guys in the bullseye middle that were, you yeah. know, and some outliers and, but you just, it's not an exact science, and even on these levels of homogenization. And I was given that straight to the, to the, you know, the, uh, the health department and the, and the enforcement guys so they could check our labs here in Colorado. Yeah. And you weren't dealing with a situation where like 0.4 is illegal, 0.2 is okay, and 0.3 is on the mark, right? So, I mean, even if it tests below and they've now impounded it, you know, you might have some issues where that stuff wasn't stored right. Your hemp wasn't stored right. It might have gone bad. Well, might have the, degraded. As the bales of CBD hips uh, age, yeah. there, there's a conversion that can uh, actually increase the THC. So what what was cool today on a COA, you know, oh, a month scary. later might might have generated a little bit more yeah. THC. So I posted on social media that some sort of shelf that says whether it's that you know, 1% or some number, right? The, obviously the 0.3 is so that you can't take it home and concentrate it in a home method and get THC out of the hemp. I feel like that's the you know, big reason that they chose some number like that, right? But uh, I, I think that was pretty arbitrary back in like the... I think they were like, oh, they're never going to get to below well, sure. other, hey. other countries have 1%. Yeah. Europe's got 2%. Israel's uh, right. 0.5, right? Uh, or no, is uh, somebody is 0.5 and then 1%. Yeah. yeah, and there's precedent with that. I mean, with it, I think it's kombucha where it's same thing. If you leave it out, it could become more alcoholic right. than the the legal level. So, so Justin, oh. you're you're involved in uh, hemp genetics and hemp seeds. Let's talk to the listeners about why this number happens. What 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 the reality on the ground right. point the, three is on the ground point three is the farmers are they know that they have to pass that test to get their field out of the ground, and so there's a big. Uh, you know, everybody's worried that genetics are going to, you know, be hot and, you know, are the breeders breeding it correctly, um, you know, and all these things. But then there's also environmental stress level things that could affect the THC production. And you've got harvest times and all these things. But, you know, generally you call out that you're going to harvest a field and they come and do this, t- take the test, uh, the field test, and you harvest it and you have 30 days to get it down. Even that test that was at the beginning of your harvest, what's going on really 30 days later? And, you know, as long as you got your whole crop out of the ground, you're safe. If, if they come back on day 31 and you still have plants in the field and they test those plants and then you can lose the entire field if it's mm-hmm. hot. Fantasy story here. Yeah. I just have a fantasy story. So like this, you know, this uh, another truckload gets stopped in Idaho that is 0.4 and it could have... Passed the testing by the state that it came from, 
by the officials that came through. They tested it for point and it tested point three. Right. The grower then harvested it. Right. It dried, it cured. And as far as he knows, he got a point three by the government. Right. Well, there's a responsibility I'm seeing, you know, that these guys all need to have their own gas chromographers and be out checking their crops and checking the fields. The far, You know, these machines are 10, 20, 30,000 dollars are not that expensive when you're dealing with millions of dollars of, of biomass and high value CBD hemp. So, you know, there's we're going to see a lot more of that because now that there's regulation, these guys, you know, the farmers, the everybody needs to, you know, be looking maybe smaller batch sizes for testing. Or, you know, you just look at it on a more regional level and say it's it's more responsible to, you know, process this closer to home. And in traditional agriculture, they don't like make a bunch of corn over here and then drive it across the country over here like the, to store it in a silo. They they communicate, you know, they, they people uh, get together and whether they have a co-op or, you know, just the, the biggest farm can also store the smaller farm stuff. But it might need to stay a little more local and regional, even though the driving forces are going to be that it gets ramped up really fast. Well, hey, this is a perfect time to take a break. So uh, we're just going to break for a minute. We're going to roll some hemp up and uh, we'll be back at Real Dirt with Chip Baker. I have uh, only once before seen a guest do a bong hit upside down, standing on one hand, and Andrew Livingston did that for us just moments ago. Yeah, it was, it so, was incredible. I, mean, I believe we, I believe there's going to be some footage of that. Check out therealdirt.com. Uh, and if you haven't subscribed to The Real Dirt Podcast, subscribe on iTunes, The Real Dirt Podcast. Please, please, please subscribe and comment on what your favorite episode is or what you want to listen to. Today, I have uh, my trusty co-host, Justin Jones. How you doing, Chip? We're doing great, man. I'm glad uh, we're back into it here. Exciting times. Oh, dude, you and and Sean were kind of taking over the last uh, part of the conversation, so I had to quit it there. That's right. (laughs) Um, We spoke earlier about, about Andrew and some of his superpower skills of projections. I'd like to start off this half of the show. Yeah. With just that. Dude, there's so much hype on CBD and hemp. Yeah. So much hype. And as a salesperson, a business person, I have to recognize when there's hype. Let's talk about what the hype is. So the hype is that farm bill passed in December and everyone's like, oh my God, hemp is completely legal. CBD is 100% completely legal. And that's just not true. I mean, it's just straight up not true. If people say like, CBD is now legal, I can sell CBD everywhere. You're going to get in trouble if you try to do that. And uh, Sean and myself and Courtney and Corey and the other people in the hemp team and in, in uh oh wait a second there's like five people oh, oh yeah we're yeah. what's going on that's well, why you guys looked at me a little crazy yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you were it's like, like back the in the old team. days there was like two people involved one person then there was two yeah, i mean we got a new one this week oh shit yeah no there's and and i'm like not full-time hemp i mean if you, you really want to talk to you know sean and then also courtney you know we look at this and it's just like 
creating all of these different matrices for what is legal in this state is one of the, what is legal in that state. And I just turn this into a different map that has, you know, red for those states that have really prohibited and haven't changed from their criminal laws and yellow and orange all the way to, you know, green of yes, CBD hemp is probably legal for sale in that state. And let me just tell you, there is a lot more red and orange and yellow than there is green. And so the big hype, the thing to consider when it comes to hemp and CBD, particularly CBD products, is what are the outlets you can actually sell this through, right? People right now, they're selling on the internet, which is, you know, maybe you can get some sales there. Whether or not you can ship it to this, you know, state A or state B is questionable depending upon what state you're actually in. But it's something to consider. There are plenty of good sales that have gone on on the internet. The second is you're looking at these kind of like little boutique stores or essentially like tobacco shops. And I mean, or you're head talking, shops. you're yeah, talking like station. retail sales, right? Like retail individual sales. I'm usage like sales through right. point yeah, totally. areas. Like right. I'm buying a, a tincture sure. or a bar soap. That's right. what you're, right. It, you want to sell products. You need to figure out how you can get those products in front of your customers. And when you're talking about something like CBD, you're talking about a product that is very new for almost all consumers. And they may not be the ones who are searching online to look at reviews for different CBD products. You know, that's just not something they may be comfortable with or they didn't even thought of doing. Their first entrance to seeing a CBD product might even be on the news. And then second, they're like, well, where do we get these? And they walk around and they go to a head shop, you know, buying some glass and they're selling CBD tinctures or CBD edibles. Or maybe, you know, they go into a tobacco store and these kind of specialty shops are selling some sure. CBD well, products. you got uh, Kratom but, in there and some of those types C- of stores. CBD right thing. now, as far as the FDA is concerned, yeah. is not a certified input. Well, we'll, we'll get into that. Okay. It gets thick. Yeah, no, whether or not it's a, a permitted food additive or dietary supplement is something that, you know, I need to have Sean here to talk about from the legal side of things. But let me finish for a second on on the major considerations for what I'll call throughput for to selling CBD products to consumers and why the hype is dangerous if you're not considering how those channels may also be changing when it comes to federal legalization and the 2018 Farm Bill. So, as I said, you got online sales, you kind of have those boutique stores and head shops. You know, we're seeing more natural product stores. There's a handful in Oregon, I imagine. There's a whole bunch in Colorado. You know, these these dude, sort chain of chain in Oklahoma City is well, fucking yeah. nuts. Dude. And the kiosk oh thing God. that just got announced with uh, one of the big groups, small groups, there's, you know, yeah, Barney's uh, is going to carry. Yeah. yeah. So, so right. we've we've got Barney's. more and more of these these stores that are that are starting to sell. You know, the question is like is Sprouts Market the big one in in uh, in Colorado, going to start, you know, natural grocers. I think already is selling. Yeah, New uh, Seasons is a big chain in or in the Northwest. Mm-hmm. They're they're on they're, they're on the already front selling. End. I, I think so. Yeah. So that's a great and important way to get your products to consumers. But it's also like, is the product that you're creating going to get on those shelves? Which you know they may have different tolerances. They're going to sell tinctures. They're going to sell pills, but they might not sell CBD brownies or something like that. So so that's going to be important to look at. Then the the next big question, and this is where all the hype is coming from, because everyone is expecting your big box stores, your Kroger's, your Walmart's, your, you know, Target's, those sorts of stores. Everyone is expecting that you're going to start seeing CBD products, edible products on the shelves in this next year. 
And that is a big question. And it's honestly something that Sean and I, when we chat about, we think is less and less likely, although so many of the clients we're working with are trying to get these products approved. But they're looking at the FDA. They're looking at Scott Gottlieb and the sort of uh, information that they are saying about what is permitted when it comes to branding of CBD. You might see full spectrum hemp oils or maybe just hemp oils on the market in some of those bigger box stores. But if something's being marketed as CBD or marketed as some sort of dietary supplement, this is where, I mean, Sean, what's your thoughts on like how that's going to shift considering the fact that I don't think the FDA is budging. And and I think it's also important to explain kind of why that's an issue. Yeah. So I guess to to back up the, the 2018 farm bill changed the legality of hemp under the controlled substance act under criminal laws, drug laws. It expressly did nothing to change how food and drugs and cosmetics are regulated. And anytime you introduce a new food or a new ingredient in food into commerce, it's the FDA's job as the you know police chief in safety to, to make sure it's safe. And there's there's two issues with CBD. One is that there's a provision in the, the FFDCA that once a substance is studied as a drug and those trials are made public and or the substance was approved as a drug, then that substance can also not be legal in a food or dietary supplement unless the FDA makes an exception. Oh. The other issue is anytime something new is entered into the food stream or in an ingredient, unless it was recognized as safe and, and in the food supply prior to 1994, or unless it was otherwise you know, determined safe by certain requirements they re- require, then you have to get a determination, you know, based on data that meets certain specifications that the, the that substance is safe for its intended use. And then if you're going to make a claim that this substance, you know, helps you sleep or helps with stress, that you have, you know, data that substantiates that claim. Let me ask you a question. So it's it's twofold that, that if you're going to make claims, but we have an issue because the CBD has already been kind of proven by study to be a medicine and a yeah, medical with value so right. the, yeah, with epidiolex. So you have that. So now all of a sudden the FDA has to make an exception for it to be a food ingredient so that vitamin water can put it on every shell, every 7-Eleven, right? So if it's still being done just at a local or state level and not crossing state lines like these boutique things, is is that regulated by the FDA also? Or how does that work? The, F- the FDA regulates everything that goes into interstate commerce. And, you know, the courts have historically interpreted that to be very broad. Mm-hmm. If you remember the, the famous marijuana case, Gonzalez v. Raich, the issue was that the marijuana grown by this patient and her farm in California, even though it was legal under state law, was federally illegal because... Just by her growing, she was entering something in interstate commerce. Yep. So it's, it's defined as very broad. And also, most state food and drug laws are very similar. They're, so to they the line them up mostly yeah. To, yeah. to the FDA. And some so. states like Colorado have, have changed it and you know added provisions in their food and drug laws that say hemp doesn't make a product adulterated. And the you know FDA has limited resources. So more likely than not, it would be enforcement on the state level. So to draw like an, uh, an analogy to something that's being used, uh, the, the Kratom product. So that's, uh, nobody's ever had, got it uh, proven to be medical. So it's still just in this supplement, you know, the yeah. Kratom thing. It's still- But just, wasn't there an emergency scheduling that happened? I don't think it ever year? happened. They want to, they're trying different yeah. things, but so, you know, it's like, so that, 
Because I've just, I try to like correlate and I hear people confused about, well, this stuff at GNC is not FDA approved and it's some sort of supplement, but it never was like officially made a, a medicine yeah. like Epidiolex did. And part of and part of what people get confused about too is you know some people think dietary supplements are maybe not subject to FDA or that they're not regulated, but the difference is that they're regulated. You don't you just don't have to get the FDA's pre-approval of your product. You right. have to submit a notification if you're entering a new ingredient, and otherwise, as long as you keep your substantiation on file that your product's good for stress then you can market it without pre-approval. Okay. So other drugs require pre-approval and so do certain other products. Now, are the big guys the big lobbyists? So if we're talking Target, Walgreens, Rite Aid, you know, the the big ones, which I think do want to get there because they're trying to find a way to interrupt the market this year, which there's just not enough CBD out there for a, for a big market interrupter that happens before the next harvest. But, you know, what are you seeing with, uh, you know, along those lines, you know, with with the uh, with the the bigger stores? Yeah, I think you're right that they all they all want to carry CBD. They know there's a huge market for it. A so lot will of their the lobbyists one, be able to get this done. Is that the level of, of, you know, government interaction with someone that big to get this exemption or you I know? Mean, maybe I mean, the, the FDA's and, and there's not just the exemption. There's there's different ways that CBD could be regulated and we can have a, a market for it outside the pharmaceutical market. In addition to making the exception, which they've never done before for another substance, so it would be Yeah, that's what I was getting to. But, that's what I wanted yeah. to know. The whole pharma industry would get worried about yeah. that. Yeah. And so the, the other thing they could do is they could say there's precedent for other substances that, you know, naturally occurring levels would not maybe be subject to the drug preclusion. So they could say something like naturally occurring cannabinoids are okay, but if it's enhanced and isolated, it's not legal. The other thing they could do is cut it off on like a milligram. Yeah, level. I was going to say like I'm not taking. A, 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 I take 25 milligrams a day. If I was dealing with an epileptic seizure disorder or something like that, I'm going to be taking a lot more yeah. CBD, right? On a on a on a prescription level or a you know whatever level there. Yeah, and if I if I want some iron to supplement my diet because I'm a vegetarian, I can go get iron as a dietary supplement. But if I'm anemic and I need a a, a really high amount, yeah. then I get a prescription. So that, that's one thing they're looking at. And, and it's, you know, the, the bigger retailers and their lobbyists, but it's also pharma and their lobbyists and it's the hemp industry. So they're, yeah. they're talking to... There's a really interesting issue that Sean brings up when it comes to like, can you market full spectrum? You know, is there going to be a difference in the future? Maybe not now, but in the future between marketing of, you know, CBD isolate product versus full spectrum hemp product. And possibly you might see a situation in which you can't market it as CBD, but you could market it as maybe something like hemp flower oil. And if it's like hemp flower oil is what it naturally is. And so the real key then is getting back into the actual genetics of producing a plant that naturally is like, you know, a 20 to one or a 50 to one and produces a large amount. A lot of the products I see already just say hemp oil. You know, and then that less, yeah, you know, that's and how then, you sell it. Yeah, they're yeah. not Hemp even it's calling spectrum. it. It's just like the hydro industry or whatever yeah. else. You know, for years in the hydro industry, we had these keywords of hydroponics and organics to the point where today in most of America, I could say I have a hydroponic store and people know it's weed. 
<laughs> right, and the yeah, same thing going on with him. The real places yeah. are, are garden centers. They yeah. they're not hydro. You know? <laughs> totally, yeah. totally, totally. And totally. some people say too that there's maybe more benefit to having a full spectrum. You I, know, I've the, seen the report. The full spectrum thing is such a marketing thing, you know, though, right? Because you could say that. And I have seen it done that isolate dissolved into avocado oil as a tincture. And that is listed as hemp, full spectrum hemp oil. Well, it's a full spectrum avocado oil. The full spectrum is important that we don't just isolate uh, the CBD because because I've seen the the secondary compounds. You see the COAs and you're just like... Well, you know, and the terpenes, and there's things that we should be giving our bodies that don't exist yeah, in absolutely. our food supply on a terpene level as well. It was the CBGs and CBD, all these other things. The danger in commerce, and this is what Andrew's getting to on the on the distillate, I think, is that currently it's almost all over this 0.3 level, right? Because, like, if you start off with a 0.3 uh, hemp flower, you concentrate it, then it's going to be higher. Right. So like, so then they usually take distillate and then turn it into an isolate and then the THC goes away and then it's just an isolated compound. And plus everyone wants to make products that are reproducible in the same. Drop a little powder in your chocolate and it changes, right? It's easy. But it might not be the thing you can do because you might just have to say, we're going to deal with it from the natural, natural product side. But let's, let's look at it for a second of like, all right, the desire is to provide a consumer with a product that is predominantly CBD. And what may happen is that on the road of producing that from the plant, naturally producing it in, in its phytocannabinoids all the way until you have an endpoint product, it's like the FDA may say you can't manipulate it in this point of the product after it is harvested to you know, enrich the CBD or isolate the CBD. So then what you look at is, well, Cannabis is one of the most genetically modified with humans through selective breeding, the way we've yeah. been doing it yeah, the natural for way. tens of thousands of years, right? Cannabis is one of the most manipulatable plant species that we have in the entire world. And so you know what you do? You say, okay, if I can't manipulate it after harvest because isolates and other things like that may incur different type of FDA rules, there may be more opportunities on the front end to say, okay, what really matters now is consistent hemp cultivars that have high amounts of CBD and even when concentrated are safely below that 0.3% THC. And a lot of states are doing certified It is. Oh, it's out there, man. to be 0.3 at crude. You think is that what you're saying? Well, I'm I'm thinking like shipping, yeah, but yeah. No, I mean I think they'll test at the at the harvest and then at the end product. And in, in between, we don't need to worry about you get this. You get a test on your consumer products side of things and the farm test. I think that's how it should be. I mean, yeah. these things haven't been determined yet on the federal level, but that's precedented for other products yeah. like yeah. right. Yeah. No, raw no milk. one is. Uh, is is getting well, see, enforcement saying, on on crude oil right. and distillate as I know of or have heard of. So I'm not a kombucha right. drinker, and you've mentioned it. I know there's a really good re- correlation there. So you're, tell tell me you, what you're saying on that with fermentation and kombucha. I think the similarity is that if you leave it out, it has the potential to turn into something that is an entirely different. It ferments substance. to alcohol. Yeah, it ferments to alcohol, right. and you can only have a certain level of alcohol in a non-alcoholic drink there's a line between what's non-alcoholic and alcoholic yeah, it's like a point weird like yeah, point right. three kind of number or whatever point one yeah yeah for and alcohol so if you leave it out so in an na beer right if you get a michelob yeah non-alcoholic beer there's still a tiny so, little bit in there yeah yeah 
and so the and there's the variance for the reason you know and that for the alcohol companies it's an issue for them because they're concerned that these people are able to market as non-alcoholic and then they're but you just go home and open it up for a day and then you're you're partying on it yeah so there's lawsuits around that and and with the kombucha too about that i'm just kidding (laughs) it's not good i like it and with the kombucha too you have a situation where like in the process of them creating it it will spike above that legal limit and as long as it is not above that legal limit when it's sold it's fine right like so it's a perfect so it's a perfect uh correlation parallel precedent for regulation under food and drug laws for things like that yeah how do you remediate a full spectrum oil though if you can't change or extract or shift the ratios because of issues associated with the fda yeah and who knows, Andrew, like what if, I mean, down the road, maybe cannabis is so unique that it gets regulated differently. Like tobacco yeah, is, sure. you know, if it wasn't under the FDA. It was under it was something different because it was that. so different. Right. So, yep. yeah, tobacco uh, enjoys provisions on the uh, pesticide side of things and what they have to, you know, divulge on what they're doing. And, you know, they have really old laws that, that protect them from that. But I think everyone knows that, like, smoking cigarettes is bad for you. And, you know, yeah. so you're not trying to, you know, to bring this from something that everybody has thought that cannabis was this bad thing. And all of a sudden it's this good thing. And all yeah. of a sudden there's hemp. And now, you know, we have to turn the, the social, you know, machine around, uh, or it is happening while we're doing this but so this is this has been a great episode for me i just listen to you guys i'm not really saying much <laughs> right what, do you, I, what I got, do you know you like hemp genetics I, 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 I yeah genetics. what do you guys are well, the actually my question gonna, is gonna kill the de- or gonna gonna slam dunk it or is there also something where you know they can say without a certain ratio cbd isn't really medicinal without a certain ratio to thc and that that because well, in, in in, in uh, israel's i've heard it's the same thing where they don't consider cbd a, a medicine unless it's paired on a certain ratio with thc so currently the way most of the people are breeding hemp for cbd is for the highest amount of cbd and the lowest amount of thc and it might be under this one percent like we're talking about but they claim it's 0.3 there's lots of 0.6 and sevens out there but it's legitimate that you can test it right through this growth period and it starts to flower mid-august throughout the whole country and mid-september first of october if you're testing it and it's below 0.3 then almost anything will pass Oh, right, so, so those point sevens, yeah, those point sevens might not be like done to October first, but if you're testing your crop, then you just know when your CBD level is reached like your maximum level, and, and then, then it's going to start you, creating yeah. more THC from that point on. So the exactly. optimal harvest time where your where your CBD's peak, there's a a point after that where then it does it will start to go hot. Mm. So that's you know, and the farmer, the and real farmers genetic. that are already doing yeah. it are are doing the, doing the right thing and they're testing and they're right. being very responsible about it. But we also are going to be flooded this year with like thousands and thousands of brand new farmers that aren't you know that haven't got a few years mm-hmm. under their belt at all and that that need to and they need they and need are going to gonna get that. burnt by genetics there's big right. lawsuits in Oregon over right genetics now. that failed and, and millions and, of dollars yeah in big time lawsuits yeah. so where do you think the the CBD market's going to is it are prices going to drop because of the new entrance or well i mean it just is the curve of of people that are taking it you know and i i have all of my parents and my in-laws and the, that people that are in their 70s 
they're all getting on it. The, in Florida, the doctors are telling all of the retired oh. people down there to start taking CBD. And their dogs. And, and their dogs. Yeah. And, and we're all seeing it. And so right. I, I still think we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg oh, on the yeah. consumer level. And, you know, like I was saying, there's definitely, there's this big ramp up going on. And, and really, it, everybody that I talk to says, there's a few years where this thing's kind of a bubble. You know, the profits are going to be a lot higher, you know, like as the bottlenecks work themselves out and more farmers come online and more consumer products start to yeah. you know, happen. Because that's the issue right now. There's no big channels, right? There's just a there's a mm -hmm. farmer here and maybe he's got a couple things here. Maybe yeah. these guys know some consumer, you know, products people and this and that. But there's uh, it's very it's very uh, broken down and, and a lot of operators. You'll see a conglomeration, you know, some of that. Well, here's, here's some interesting math for me, though, right? So on the consumer market, with the right marketing campaign, with the right moment in time, with the right YouTube energy or Instagram energy, the consumption of any product in America can double, triple. And we've seen it with everything from fidget spinners to like, the pet rock. you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so much stuff. So the thing about an agricultural crop like CBD is if the, the 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 right salesperson got in there, they could literally double the man, triple the demand in the U.S. The right set of laws, the right environment, but the agriculture side still, still not take be a able year, to do, two years. Yeah, you just totally. need like a Kardashian. Totally, we just need a Kardashian there, and then there's the the scaling of the extraction because yeah. right now it's still at a small scale level. Even if people are doing ten thousand pounds a day. On an industrial size, that's small. That's small. And that's, right? but you, when and you're you look talking at about it, like vitamin C and everything, if you right. put CBD in everything, then well, well, it's a well, pretty big market. And when you go and look at like uh, the hops industry, which is another parallel because they have to, it all comes down at the same time. They have to dry it and store it. They're also extracting hops because a lot mm. of brewers use extracts. And so it's all the same thing. And right now up in Yakima, which is the largest hops region in the country, they're on a break on hops extraction. And so it's like the hemp guys are all in there getting their hemp uh, extracted because the machines are so giant. Mm. You know, hemp's still kind of coming from this like, you know, ganja base size of extractor, size of building, size, you know, mm -hmm. all these things. And it's fine, you know, and then Homebrew looking style. to these, you know, yeah, look, this isn't Coors out in Golden, you know, this is a whole bunch of craft brews yeah. like we see around Denver. Like Spangling right down yeah. the street. So, They've got two you big know, vats. But there are they brew people that, that have big rigs from other industries that are kind of helping. But, right. but uh, you know, it's still... Uh, well, you were telling me that the, the, the big hemp growers were just waiting for the hop extractors to, like, be done with the there's, hops. There's a window in there. So there was a lot of farms that were just like, okay, you know, we're, we're going to get our stuff in in January. And, you know, a lot of people are just waiting in line on, on their biomass also because of the bottlenecks. If you haven't tried the new Belgium beer, the Hemper, it's hemp instead of hops because they're close cousins. It's cool. del it's yeah. delicious. That's awesome. Yeah, I always said first cousin. Lagunitas, they have several terpene beers, hemp beers. They have a THC beer now that doesn't have alcohol but tastes like beer but has the THC in it. I got a call from some guys that are trying to take uh, the hemp, and uh, they wanted to do it with the ganja side. They're going to do the hemp side. They're extracting in, a, in a, some totally different way to get the essences the to essence. brew and then to take to the beer brewing side. And so they're, they're yeah. not calling it terpenes. They're calling it like this essence. 
essence and they're That's separating what LaCroix it. Calls it I think. And LaCroix <laughs> has got something like that. So there's something in, hint, and I'm not smart ganja, enough, maybe. but there's something that, that in that beverage world where they want these, uh, and it's hard to get, but the, those uh, exist in hemp, those compounds. So it's a good source for them. LaCroix might be going after hemp to get some. Yeah, I mean, cannabis is incredible. Sort of, uh, some like, it can do it all. In their water. Like with yeah. cannabis There's and coconuts, we can have anything we want. <laughs> and it's also very hard to get the uh, CBD into water soluble. It really mm -hmm. is tough. And that's, you know, definitely, you know, I wonder oh, if next, that's something. Next week's where, guest, uh, that's exactly what yeah. she does, Ooh, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, and that's maybe something that, you know, as these new products come along, you know, yeah. where does that lie against, you know, the, the medical, what was it called again? Epidiolex. Epidiolex, I always say it wrong. You know, so where does that compare to that? Where we're like, hey, this is like a crystal light packet. It's got some super fruit sugar in it. And I want to just, you know, throw it in my water. And it's got 10 milligrams CBD and some super fruit sugar and boom, you know. So does that open more doors to Cannabis get an exe exemption <laughs> or to go that direction or to say this is different? Yeah. But if they're making it with isolate, then you're now in, well, back we'll into the wrong the, side. Yeah, we got to see. The FDA said this last week or this week that they're going to maybe change how they regulate dietary supplements in general because there's been a lot of pro products mismarketed, targeted at Alzheimer's patients that don't have or contain what they purport to contain or that are misrepresented. So now over time they realize, no, this really doesn't work. They'll de they'll take a step back on it from the FDA. Yeah, they they maybe might have, you know, beef up their notification and approval requirements or have some quality and safety standards. I don't know what they'll do. I mean, so far Gottlieb's had a lot of things he's talked about, but not yeah. much has happened yet. And I, you know, I think there's also definitely room for the FDA, you know, not that I would want it to enforce, you know, they're going to go in potentially and start enforcing on a lot more different dietary supplements. Yeah. I've been talking to um, some people that run forensic toxicology labs. So those are the sorts of laboratories that identify, you know, harmful substances and various different consumer products. And they're seeing in some of these, not all that reputable CBD retailers and some of these, you know, apparently maybe look a little more reputable CBD retailers. A lot of things that are in those products that are, aren't safe. Um, they're Lots not on of the label, and you know, heavy metals and things like that. It might not even be CBD in it. it yeah. You well, know. and the heavy metal <laughs> side, as we're looking at traditional agriculture, you know, I'm, I, you know, my company, Dank's, looking at the, you know, the new rules on the, on the, you know, recreational marijuana side, with having to test for heavy metals and looking at, you know, as we, as we get better at testing and as we want to test more things, and the health department wants to know more stuff. Uh, yeah, we have to look look at all those things, you know, and then the scale of CBD is huge compared to what we do in our, you know, little, you know, ganja companies here in Colorado. So it's, it'll be very interesting on that side of the science side. And and if you're taking that CBD and like then concentrating it, putting it to some sort of vaporizer, there's also potential issues there with, you know, other things that were in that CBD, because when you're dealing with cannabis concentrates, you know, there's a ratio of what is the potency of your flower, but it's still way, way higher than if you're dealing with a hemp flower and the amount of CBD. So right. it's like the amount of physical matter it takes to make a hundred milligrams of CBD is just way more, you know, with hemp, way more than 
what it takes the physical matter to make 100 milligrams of THC with cannabis grown in Oregon or Colorado. And so that's just a lot more bioaccumulation of potential other hazards that if you're not accurately testing these products to try to ensure sure. their safety, and the FDA is going to come in, products liability, lawsuits are going to come in and you know it's a, it's a risk on the on the sector that I think that more testing needs to happen. You guys know I love cannabis. Everybody's listening to this knows I love it. There's this doobie <laughs> This dubious nature of the CBD sellers that I smell and feel this energy of scam, mm. right? And and I, I, I'm not saying everybody out there is like that, but like as a business person, I do tons of business all throughout the cannabis sector. My scamometer comes off with CBD all the time, you know, and uh, yeah. I, I, there's just a certain amount that I, that's I hope it doesn't like come out and then everybody says, oh, CBD, that's a scam, you know, or do you, I, you I guys that, feel is that? that or isn't you that see genie it? out of the bottle? I mean, the, the uh, genie's kind of out of the bottle. I know but people like, don't understand it and it works differently for each person kind of in a lot of ways. But when you when you reduce the inflammation in your body uh, overall, it just does. It makes life better. And it, each person might be affected differently. It has so many potential benefits and it's, you know, so safe that I think it's, I think you're right. The, the genie's out of the bottle, but I think industries like this are just when they are going from not really regulated or regulated under one way to regulated under another way and things are kind of in flux It you know, it's ripe for snake oil salesmen and oh, in the yeah. dietary supplement industry in general, you gotta, you yes. gotta know your brand, you know, look, know what to look for in quality well, and there's, you know, a lot of people are, it's been a smaller, very small, you know, niche, you know, and it's like, you know, I feel great that knowing that, you know, Vicente Cedarberg's, you know, got a great team and because I know what, you know, your group has done for this plant, you know, the last 10 years, 12 years. And, you know, as I've been along, you know, this ride of going from, you know, having some cards, you know, and, and doing medical marijuana and uh, before, before coal, you know, and, uh, you know, and then seeing it, you know, go into full regulation, you know, and then all of a sudden go from, so the, the, that's happening, going to happen all the way through. And, and if anybody thinks it's not on the hemp side of things, it's, you know, going to be take a couple of years. I mean, our, our system in Colorado, people in Oregon are like, how come it's, how come the, you know, medical marijuana and recreational is so good in Colorado. And I was, you know, how come the system's so good? And we you know it's taken a long time, you know, and people see from afar certain things where us, we've been in the inside going, well, it's not, it's not perfect, you know, yeah. and, and those things. But, you know, where do you guys see, you know, beyond the, uh, the FDA or the, are the state department of ags, you know, kind of places, are they going to, you know, really ramp up things they're doing, especially in states that weren't previously, I mean, Colorado, they're already dealing with with uh, ganja, so you know they're it's not a uh, and hemp, so it's not totally foreign. But have you heard anything about you know regulations changing on a on a more local or you know state level? Yeah, we're working with a lot of states who are either adopting hemp laws for the first time, like to, like Texas, or determining whether they're going to, yep. or other states who are you know moving quick to update their programs and build out their programs so that they're eligible to be federally approved and their right. farmers the state can of get. Washington doesn't have anything they have a huge rec program right uh, for the plant but they're I don't think they're going to be doing anything with hemp this year well that's a, yeah it's a shame I mean they they have a very limited hemp program 
Um, but if you have a are able to get a federally federally approved program, that means your farmers might be eligible for, you know, certain subsidies, crop insurance. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. states are looking at it as a economic driver. And, you know, companies like Canopy just went into New York and they put a hundred and fifty million dollar hemp industrial park and it's 500 they're calling jobs. around canopies canopy's got the money and they're definitely calling people and they're they're getting in for sure yeah and for states like texas where it's been tough for farmers and with the i mean and everywhere with farmers with the you know yeah. tariffs and the trade issues and um we talked to a farmer from alabama on the show last week and it was you know he was definitely uh there's all these guys with beautiful perfect farmland that could be that's been sitting there for yeah. 10 years because yeah. they, they can't yet. do they can't anything make any money there's yeah. no money to be made on it and they're like they want it and need it and the you know they don't need a, they don't need to do a thousand acres and they're not trying to get rich but they're like hey if i can just do a few acres of this it could be a major change you know life changer for them on their farms and yeah and the family farms and yeah. people i mean people also forget to talk about the environment but you know maybe we're going to have a green new deal one day and you know a lot of states are looking at what are we going to do about plastics and the denver post the other day was talking about banning straws and what about hemp straws and yeah. you know there's I got a. Right. I'm at the the uh, the embassy suites, you know, staying this weekend, and they got the paper straws, you know, and uh, oh, nice. it's nice to see that. I mean, this all this plastic that that we're using is, uh, you know, I think we can we can change over time, and and hemp can be a big part of those so that type of material. So how can we how can we revitalize that sector? Because everyone, you know, when when I was growing up and, and in drug policy activism, we were always talking about hemp can save the world. But we're talking about how hemp can save the world, not through CBD and its cannabinoid mm-hmm. side of things, but through hemp bricks and hemp lotions and hemp oils. Well, and hemp the the air, the air tw- like how many times better yeah. than like trees but and most how other many, plants? How many people who are planting new hemp farms are planting it? for the industrial side of things. And, and how many of them are nobody planning? making money? Uh, yeah. Exactly. Nobody so the money. industry, we so have here, to have huge, it's just like, so the, uh, the, you know, the textile industry left the U S 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so, okay. Textiles gone. Industrial hemp, ch- fiberboard, chipboard, cement, concrete. like concrete. Those are the awesome things. I think that there's great possibility for hemp and we use plastic. plenty and we use plenty of stuff. The, you know, the problem with plastic is it, is you have to ship the hemp to where the plastic is manufactured, where like chipboard and concrete are manufactured all over wherever there's a forest product uh, industry. Right. So would a driver so, be if you if I want to build some big plant that could be a game changer for uh, you know we've got to look at what the ethanol plants did. They didn't go put them across the country. They stuck the ethanol plants right we're, in the middle of the yeah, corn belt. Absolutely. You know, and so absolutely. you know, I mean, could could it be reverse kind of engineered and and from the top down? Where, I'm sure, smart where, business you know, people are doing that right now. If you want to make hemp plastics, you put a giant uh, you know facility right in the middle of Nebraska and have all those guys grow grow the type of hemp you want, whether you know in the strain that that'll get you the right material. Yeah, the, Nebraska's the, got a big hemp bill moving through the legislature. Right now. They need it. Yeah. I mean, they they they, uh, and, but they're not going to necessarily be able. They've been putting uh, the the you know pet, the pesticides they used to grow feed corn. You know, they're going to have to eradicate all that that farmland for years before they can grow CBD hemp. So on the indu- so, back on, on yeah. the industrial side, that the seeds though for mm-hmm. for animal food and for human food, the best I think you can that feed is like a, a really big possibility yeah. as the next crop. And and you can look at Canada as an example. That's what 
all of their hemp is grown for. Yeah, it and, can't be grown right? for CBD. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. The people making money on it, it's all seeds. That was fiber all fiber grade. Right? That was all fiber grain, Canadian strains. Because, you yeah. know, people are like, holy moly, Montana had 23,000 acres in 18, but it was like, it was, wasn't, it wasn't, there was no CBD. When I talk to the folks in Texas, I mean, their number one agricultural crop is livestock. And yeah. so mm-hmm. they're... Oh, it's so perfect silence yeah. for livestock. I was talking to, you know, everyone knows about Tillamook cheese out mm-hmm. of Oregon. Yeah. And I was, that's all dairy. That whole county is like a dairy co-op. And they all grow, they all have like 40 acres that they grow. Uh, you know, different stuff on to feed the cows all year long. So they're kind of vertical on their farm, but growing some corn, growing mm. their hay. But back in the day, all the cows ate hemp silage. And it's like the easiest thing to grow. And you bale it up and you wrap it up with a bag and like seal it off. And it lasts all, you know, you break a new one out when the old, it, it, it's like the perfect thing. But the, the crude value and the fiber value and all these things that are in hemp are so much better for our, for our, and that's where Ooh, our food's just starting. Now our milk, it, maybe it makes our, does it make our milk better? Yeah. It does it make our, yeah. uh, you know, our, our uh, meat that we're eating better. I mean, I don't know, but it's. Maybe the animals won't need so many antibiotics if. That and what about this? You know, we're battling. They're, they're saying right now, and Bill Gates had a big article that I read that I was like, "Wow, that I didn't realize that that beef cows for human consumption of food would be if they were all in one category it would be like the third biggest uh, you know polluter if it was a country, right? Yeah. And you're like, "Whoa, you know." So what if uh, you know there's hemp crops that are better at uh, you know cleaning you know the air? I say mm-hmm. that in the broadest yeah. way. You know, um, does that help if you've got a hundred acres of hemp right next to your your hog confinement or your your big cow thing that's producing all this methane gas that's destroying you know the mm-hmm. uh, the ozone layer? What's that do? Well, if we had some cap and trade, you might end up with a situation where there's actually subsidies for growing hemp that's pulling more things out of the air. It's going to happen. I mean, but, uh, maybe not that to that degree, that's your, but yeah. like well, that's for, where buy, it can for, go, for, though. for remediation for for land, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, but the you don't want any of that to be that. put into CBD oils, no, or no things no, like that. No, because so like, no, just like, oh, we've got all this bad land. Hemp is a to great like plant to remediate it. the ground and for then, sure. But so the the some of these Midwestern places, yeah. that if they aren't haven't been certified, uh, if they're not uh, organic already, if the property is not organic, could take three years to you know remediate the mm-hmm. soil. And, and all those farmers know what they've been sticking in that soil. And it's all the same things that, you know, years and years ago, all the ganja guys were getting busted mm-hmm. for around here. You know, that's all traditional. That's all traditional ag types right. of, uh, you know, <laughs> things. So say you have people call in. I mean, you say you have more and more people call in. Like, do you have like a number one question people are asking for hemp or like a direction people like like are always are frequently going? Is there some generalization you can make to me there? Yeah. I mean, a a common question is, can I sell CBD in all 50 states? But in general, people are looking to develop or retail sell, you know, a CBD product. So the legal side of things really, you know, seems to be more on the consumer products and shipping that stuff across lines and what kind of stores is that? Yeah. I mean, and, you know, commercial contracts between suppliers yep. and and you know just helping people make sure they're compliant and have the registration contract stuff that's yeah. uh, going around yeah, that's you definitely. know yeah so i mean i'm hearing about that too and i'm sure you know obviously needs to you know have really good legal you know going on legal opinions and everything else being done for the design of that yeah a lot of work on the fda front and 
people wanting to know what, what type of research and product development to do to position themselves for compliance. And, you know, people that are, I find that people really all care about quality and safety, which is great. Well, they just yeah, saw totally. those people products wanted to do the right thing. They want to do the right thing. There was all these products they've been they've been back tested in Florida. They just like don't even have CBD in it, and, and you know oh, yeah. they haven't been you know. So that's you'll have that. That's uh, that's those guys you were yeah. talking about that were snake oiling it. Yeah, totally. So I want to get get a couple more specific uh, predictions since you were so awesome last time, Andrew. Okay. Give me give me give me some specific predictions on on production. Can you can you do that on like where this where the hemp industry is going to go? I think that we're probably going to see within each of the states that exists for cultivating hemp. And it's going to be predominantly dominated by five or six big ones, Colorado, Oregon, Kentucky, maybe Montana, maybe Texas, if, if it passes this law in the future. Mm-hmm. I know there's just so much land there and so much interest. California is a little kind of in that pack somewhere. Yeah. yeah I mean, they're, right now it's a little bit more behind based on what you can sell and create in California. But all right. So I think that in each of those states, you're going to see every year for the next three years, more than a doubling of the, the hemp that was grown there the, the year before. So you're going to see this, this really fast cultivation throughout the entire country. And I think that there's going to be a lag of time between all of that cannabis that is going to be grown and processed into CBD and the outlets for it to be sold. I don't think you're going to get the big box stores, your Walgreens, your Target, your Walmarts to start selling a CBD product or even full spectrum hemp oil products as quickly as all of the cultivators and the processes are planning on. So what you're going to have is a massive drop in the wholesale price of CBD distillates, which is probably going to potentially happen faster than the whole, than the wholesale drop in crude full spectrum hemp oil. And I think that's going to be because some of the differential in the perception of legal risk between those. That's going to drop down these prices considerably. And you're going to see then a relatively quick, maybe a year or two after everyone starts realizing this, a drop in the number of people actually cultivating that hemp. So I would say that you're going to see a big spike up. And then within five years, we're going to see a big decline in the amount of people that are growing hemp for CBD. Now, the question is, do they switch over to seed or do they do something that's maybe a hybrid of the two? They'll grow a cannabis hemp product and then they'll see whether or not it'll be good for CBD based upon that market and they'll test it. And if not, they'll let it seed all the way out and they'll press it into seed oil, yep. the actual hemp seed oil that we've been, you know, seeing in normal supermarkets across the country I'll for a long, long time. Well, sure. And that's been legal. Once you sterilize the seed, you exactly. can get ship it here and press it here. So yeah, I think all that stuff's in shampoo. And- yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's totally. been around for a long time. I, I do agree with you. It's going to boom on CBD and then the infrastructure for so much of the industrial stuff, the seed pressers, right. The like, a, a, well, that, a and that's what takes the, a little longer to yeah, come that together. It takes a little right? longer yeah. to come together. And then I, I feel like that is a good flow of things. On a more micro level, you're saying that kind of over a five year period, what, you know, what in the next 18 months, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about, some of these companies definitely mm-hmm. are trying to want to get in and do a market interruption, be first to, you know, what, what do you think is going on between, you know, right now and, uh, you know, the two, the 2020 harvest? It's 
hard to know because as we discussed at the start of the podcast, a lot of it has to do with channels and where you're selling. But I think you're going to start seeing the input price drop for distillate and for full spectrum hemp oil in these products. And that's going to drop faster over the next two harvests than it will at the retail price. So profit margins for some of these big hemp oil or hemp dietary supplement and these other sorts of things, those profit margins are going to increase as the input drop in price as more supply comes on. Then I think that's going to create more and more interest, although there already is, for the creation of these new products. Because people are going to, we've started to get some details and some data and stuff like that. And they're going to see some of these companies really start making a lot of money. Some of them that are um, publicly traded are going to start, you know, seeing they're going to put out some mid-quarter reports or yeah. you know quarterly reports and things like that that look really good, and that's going to drive up the development of these new products. And they're going to come to Sean and I and Courtney and other people in the hemp department of Vicente Cedarburg, and they're going to say like, all right, all these people are making good money, at least good profit margins, even if their volume isn't as fast as they were expecting, and they were going to jump in. And then there's just going to become a crowded market with few channels. And the whole price category is going to start dropping further and you're going to start seeing retail price drops. I mean, a lot of these sorts of natural products, if you were to go into those aisles, you know, a pill bottle of 20 of whatever is like really expensive. You're ending up like, you know, 20, 30, but like some of these hemp products, these CBD products are another 50% higher than that. So they're going to start dropping down. I think closer to that 20 to $30 a bottle, not less and then that's going to, I mean, it's hard to know what's going to happen after that. But that's my guess on the trajectory of trends. When it comes I got to- an easy one. Will somebody take a CBD product onto the shark tank in the next 12 months? Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. Think it's the- I'm sure there's stuff already in line right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I keep wondering. I'm like, you know, now, but now, yeah, yeah things change. Well, the question December. is then is, would they invest? Yeah. Well, will, they, will they ask the right questions when it comes to like how legal is this product? What are the ways to do it? I mean, the other thing too is like the Federal Food, Drugs, and Cosmetics Act. Second to last word there is cosmetics. Yeah. What's the future? Or Sean, like, what's your thoughts on the future for for weed cosmetics? Is can uh, with hemp cosmetics? Is there is it easier to do that than dietary supplements? Are way easier to do. Yeah. It's. Well, I mean, from a legal perspective, there's a lower standard of approval. Well, the, you're not consuming it internally. Is that yeah. and so right. is the Cosmetics Act? So so FDA regulates stuff that we put inside our body. The cosmetics part of that anything uh, that is, is, out, is we put on top of our body. Yeah, or and, um, um, devices like that you in, inhale. Uh, oh, okay. So the 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 uh, cosmetic side does the dev- like devices that you inhale. Or oh no, that's just another category. Another category. Action. So on the cosmetics is, is that, you know, the hand lotion I got at the holiday Inn? you know, is that uh, regulated under the cosmetics all the way to wrinkle cream and stuff making yeah. claims, right? Those are, you yes. know, okay. Yeah. And there's you know, different standards and these people want to make claims with CBD at Revlon. If they're going to put it in their wrinkle cream, they want to make a claim, right? I mean, that's the whole, the whole point. Mm-hmm. So and how are we make- going to get there with, with on that end of thing? Yeah, but you can sell stuff without making the claim, though. So a huge amount of stuff. Sure, you can, you can, but they want to be, like I said, I feel like these guys want to get to markets. Well, I said the, the CBD preclusion for epidiolex doesn't, it applies to food and dietary supplements. So it doesn't apply to cosmetics. Okay. Oh. So if you wanted to make a cosmetic and you could, in order to make a claim, you have to just substantiate that you've tested the product and it 
is actually effective for what you purport it to be. If you're able to do that research, <laughs> yeah. we can make that claim. <laughs> is, so. is that yeah. one of those? Th- I mean, this is just like light bulb right now. But is that one of those situations that if one of those companies starts doing testing for cosmetics, that other people can't make the claim? Is it the sort of same dynamic with Epidiolex that like you can't make a new CBD product easily? No, it's it's just if you know every com- if you're making a, a claim, you have to prove that the product can actually. Yeah. Do that. Do, and does any of us know here whether or not the major topical companies are doing research? The whispers on the street is that everybody, all of the big guys mm-hmm. in the in the uh, skincare and cosmetics and all that into things are, you know, and I mean, that's that's the Man, one thing I hear more anyth- the anything. The supplement industry is and the like, cosmetic industry have been for years filled with, with underground magical substances that make you yeah. young and beautiful and Fit and energetic and sleep and a lot. Of, it's ma- a lot of magic, but some of it's for real, man. Yeah, and they you don't know? have to have pre-approval. So no, right. you market something, and unless some, you know, they're, they're not going to just target you for no reason. Well, like I was just talking to somebody that had these bath bombs, and I guess that's like a CBD hemp oh, bath yeah, bomb can be one of have the you most ever tried relaxing. I haven't done it yet. We oh, got really a good. couple, yeah. But like I've heard, it's like one of the most relaxing things. Yeah, James you can Medicinals do. has one on yeah. the THC side, and it's pretty great. Those companies that have the that you know come from the ganja side and have done gone into the hemp side because they've got the technology like Mary's and stuff. It's it's really cool to see all that also. Yeah, and um, there's you know other cannabinoids, so who knows what happens with. And okay, so do people mm. care as much about the other cannabinoids if it's in my soap? Like, how can it change? Uh, like hemp essential like, oils. Like, it, can it oh, can maybe yeah, a full man. spectrum? You know, the body can shop. be used in a topical or the, or a soap or something. So that you know, I mean, definitely on things like mm-hmm. psoriasis. Now that gets closer to actually like a topical medicine, but I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunities. People who have dry mm. skin. And, you know, having CBD for things like that, like we first need to figure out, like, does it work? But I would love to have some sort of CBD shampoo, particularly in, we're, earlier before we, I think we started recording, we were talking about how dry it is in Colorado. Yeah. No, and it's definitely CBD's proven, and I forget the, the term, to be good for your skin and it kind of rejuvenates. and It's good, it's good for your skin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's official. Official. <laughs> I like uh, that yeah, endorsement. Well, you know. Sean talk. says it's good for your it's skin. It's good for you. Yeah. It's good. It, it is good for you. C- CBD is good for you. You guys have just been chatting it up. I felt like I've just been absorbing, you know, knowledge over here. I hope my my listeners have gained as much like information over this past episode. If there's people out there interested in him and want to get in touch with you or follow you guys somehow, is there, is there a way that that happens? Our emails are just our first names at VicenteCederberg.com. So shoot us an email anytime. Check out our website. Sean at VicenteCederberg.com and Andrew at VicenteCederberg.com. Yeah, or come through the normal VS intake process because Sean gets way too many emails. Although I would say email both of us. So if is you that like. on your website where I could go and click on, fill, fill out a form, get in queue to get a call back from you guys? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Versus yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's the best contact. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are interested in hemp, in hemp business, uh, in the legalities of hemp, I 100% give Vicente Cedarberg and the whole crew there, because it's not just one person, but Sean and Andrew, you guys have helped so many people and you're so 
knowledgeable and there's just there's no arrogance or bullshit or you know you guys speak like normal people and like you guys are great so if 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 you need help in some manner if you're interested in some manner that these are the people the people to talk to i second that (laughs) well this has been a great episode thank you for joining me guys it's been awesome yeah, Thanks, co-hosting uh, has been fun. great, Chip. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, you really know how to bring people together and and get the information out there and. Uh Thanks for doing this podcast. I mean, it's, no, it's going to be awesome, man. Hemp is hemp, hemp hooray, man. Hemp's, oh, I just get so excited about it. Me too. Yeah, it's so awesome. Well, thank you also for listening to another episode of The Real Dirt. If you'd like to download this episode or others, please go to therealdirt.com. You can also check us out on iTunes, The Real Dirt Podcast. Please, 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 please subscribe and don't forget stay high